Hello and welcome to the Coffee Unleashed podcast. My name is Alec and I am your host. Uh, We are excited today for episode 26 as we dive deep into staffing and what that looks like, Uh, people, personnel, and all of that. Um, As always, the Coffee Unleashed podcast is centered on coffee business and everything in between. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure and subscribe uh, to the podcast so you can uh, stay up to date on all new episodes as well as check out any previous episodes that we've had over the last year and a half. Um, You can find us on uh, Spotify, Google Play, or the uh, Apple Podcast app. Um, So make sure and check that out as well as uh, follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, as well as check out our blog at IndieCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, We would love that. Uh, If you had any questions for us or want to learn more, um, make sure and email us at hello at IndieCoffeeRoasters.com. That's the best place to get your questions answered as well as uh, potentially be featured on this podcast in a future episode. All righty. So today, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit about staffing, uh, what it means to manage people um, and what that looks like and what better way to do that than uh, with our uh, store manager at Indie Coffee Roasters, um, our Carmel location, uh, Jim. He's here with us. Uh, How's it going, Jim? It's going good. Good to be on the podcast. Good. Uh, You may know Jim from either his uh, role at Indie Coffee Roasters or his very uh, highly touted uh, podcast, Five Minutes Too Long. We will link that in in the description for everyone to enjoy. A little bit of a change of pace compared to this podcast, but uh, still all fun together. So, um, Jim, share with us a little bit, uh, you know, what coffee you've been liking or enjoying lately. Yeah, so um, I just love pour overs. I love black coffee. Um, But most importantly, I love variety. So I won't stick on one coffee too long, no matter if it's my favorite coffee ever. Um, I just love tasting different kinds. So a group of guys and I, um, we get a new coffee from a different roasters every couple weeks. And that's really cool just to... um, see what's out there, see what other people are doing, support other small businesses around the country. But um, most recently, um, I got in the last weekend to go up to Valparaiso and get some Dagger Mountain, which Mm -hmm. was really awesome to support them. They're the only roaster around that area that I know of. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a good good change of pace, and they have some are really good. They had the Sadama, which was cool because Mm -hmm. we just had the Sadama on Spro at Mm -hmm. ICR, so Mm -hmm. it was cool to taste their version of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and I think that that, obviously, some people might say that and be like, how dare you let them buy coffee from other places? Um, But for us, it's always been really important, one, to support other people that we care about, but two, uh, continue to develop their palate, and, you know, we can't uh, at Indy, we can't uh, roast every coffee possible. So uh, it's always cool to get different perspectives. And I know it makes you a better uh, manager to, as well as like a better taster to be trying different types of things. Yeah, for sure. And I love even the different brew methods. So when I get a a new bag or a new bean. I like to try it on different different things just to see what's pulling out. We'll try it on an AeroPress. We'll try it on a V60. Mm-hmm. Everybody laughs because I'm always like, let's get this would taste amazing on a V60. <laughs> yeah. 
or I'll always joke like, let's get that into a V60 uh-huh. because it just, for me, that's my favorite, but yeah. other beans are better on like yeah, AeroPress yeah. with the yeah. Prisma. So uh-huh. it's really cool to try different, different things. Yeah. The experimentation stuff yeah. is always fun to do. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, obviously you have, um, joined in into the coffee role, uh, moved pretty heavily into the coffee culture now, uh, but that wasn't necessarily your background before. Um, so share with us a little snapshot into your coffee journey to get to ICR and, um, and then let us share with us a little bit about what you do there. For sure. So yeah, I mean, if you told me I was a store manager at a coffee shop a couple of years ago, I would have been like, wait, what? <laughs> Because it is completely different before um, I have a background in marketing. So I worked in the corporate world for about six years previously. Um, After quitting that, I did some freelancing and thinking that I could not be around people all week. Um, But I quickly learned that wasn't a thing. And I always loved going to coffee shops. I love the... um, Probably more of the the meeting out with people than um, actually... The, the coffee itself, even mm-hmm. though I always got coffee, mm-hmm. um, I met, I went more for the person, but, um, I felt I had one of my good friends, um, we are over for brunch and he had a Chemex and he made me a cup. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is different. <laughs> so that was like my step into, I'm um, getting into pour overs. And from there wanting, seeking that community, I was like, what better place to seek community than a working at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd been in Indy for about six months before applying. I applied pretty much everywhere in Indy. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people looked at my resume and were like, why is this guy wanting to work at a coffee shop mm-hmm. part-time? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really got no calls. I was kind of discouraged, but then I was I went to go see when ICR was opening and I saw that I could submit an application. So I'm like, why not? Mm-hmm. And um, met up with them, loved what they were doing. I didn't know much about them up to that point. Um, and then, yeah, just talking talking to Diane, the other owner, and then meeting Alec, um, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. But like trying not to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just for a part-time position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was like the third or the first in-person interview Diane's like do an interview for the like a team lead retail because mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any coffee experience mm-hmm. um, and I was like sure why not mm-hmm. let's do it mm-hmm. and then um, from there um, just last summer moved into the store manager role um, it's just been really really cool mm-hmm. um, experience it's definitely everything I thought it would be working mm-hmm. at a coffee shop mm-hmm. and I think ICR's environment mm-hmm. um, leads to that because mm-hmm. of that open bar the mod bar mm-hmm. really helps that um, but yeah it's been great so right now I pretty much um, do my best to keep the the floor the the store afloat um, whether that's ordering the consumables the mm-hmm. non-consumables um, staffing is a big part of that mm-hmm. I didn't realize how big of a part that was going to be um, as anybody in the coffee industry knows there's there is that turnover mm-hmm. um, it's just what it is mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the store mm-hmm. um, it just has to do with the industry mm-hmm. um, so that that's been a big learning experience but a really cool learning experience so yeah staffing scheduling, um, ordering, making sure everybody is where they need to be to make the shop run smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we've shared it a little bit on this podcast before, but the importance of leaving room in your org chart for people that, um, maybe on paper don't fit the mold of where you want them to be yet. Um, you know, for Jim, 
Um, he didn't necessarily have any professional coffee experience. Um, so like you said, a lot of coffee shops sort of batted at, at your application. Uh, but for us, we've always, um, looked at our org chart as an opportunity to engage and teach people. And I think that, uh, you know, for us, uh, all of us didn't have coffee experience at some point. Um, so why not? give somebody a shot, especially if they have the passion and drive to, you know, do something great. Um, then, you know, I think a lot of businesses can get stuck on those prerequisites, um, and lose out on some pretty awesome people. Um, you know, because, you know, for us, like you, like Jim has said, he came in, um, you know, seeking a part-time gig, um, and now has moved into store management position with us. Um, all of which because he showed drive and passion when he maybe not wasn't necessarily equipped to do everything yet. Um, and I mean, you've seen it too, where some of our best employees have been people that have the least amount of experience coming in. Um, so I think that that speaks a lot into what you've done to sort of recruit well, as well as just be sort of open to whoever that could be. Um, so when you're, if we're talking a little bit about, um, staffing and personnel, obviously being store manager, you know, you're in charge of, you know, essentially how that store is doing, um, which includes people and, making sure you guys are equipped to put out the proper product. What do you guys do or, you know, how does it look for you when you're sort of seeking to fill a different spot or, um, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. So um, a little bit about the interview process. We, the good, cool thing about ICR is it is a shop that a lot of people want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no shortage of applicants, which is a blessing for mm -hmm. sure during the hiring process. But um, what I do first is just a quick phone interview. It's not long. It's probably 10 to 15 minutes. I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time <laughs> doing 20 different phone interviews. They kind of have to be short. But um, the only thing I'll really say about those is I pretty much know in the first couple minutes if they're going to come in for an uh, um, in-person interview. And the question I ask, a lot of them think they're going to get asked about coffee and all that. I just say, tell me about your yourself. Mm. Um, and by that question alone, you can see if they're humble, you can mm -hmm. see if they're like calculated. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they're just open and vulnerable, that's what grabs my attention mm -hmm. personally, because mm -hmm. it's like, you can see, you can see if they have drive, you can see how they treat relationships. You can see, um, yeah, if they're humble, if they're just talking about all their, um, of all the goals they met, like that's, Give me, give me something else mm -hmm. than that. So mm -hmm. um, that's the one thing I look for on that first interview. And then as we we go, um, I look for, yeah, that attention to detail, that, that drive and that passion. Because coffee, you know, even though, yeah, we can hire somebody that's been in the game for four to five years, um, you know, that's also teachable. Like Alex said, everybody has to start, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere. We weren't born with coffee knowledge. Um, so that drive and passion is what, what really makes it. And also to think about the inverse is somebody has been in coffee for it five years. They're coming with 
some coffee baggage from another shop mm-hmm. um, and maybe not as humble as teaching mm-hmm. new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can definitely see it um, for some people that they come in knowing and it, it's kind of hard to change them to the ICR standard mm-hmm. way of doing things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of twofold. Um, I go kind of for the sweet spot in the middle, like, I would love for them to know about coffee, like homebrew, um, maybe work a little bit of time in another shop, but they don't have to be an expert. Mm-hmm. And it's more for me about attitude and how they treat others mm-hmm. and their their passion and their drive for coffee. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, some of the stuff that I know you look for too is, um, you know, are they living sort of above, from a maturity level, are they living above sort of their age you know we have the obviously opportunity now to work with different people that uh, are in different ages but um, coffee shops obviously tend to be younger people mainly because of the schedule and the pay rate and and all of that Um, so it tends to be your sub 30 year old you know people that that tend to apply Um, but you know even the little stuff as far as like doing their homework with who we are or, you know, why I know you ask too, you know, why they want to work for ICR. Um, you know, when you hear people that say they just like our, who we are or, or whatever, um, you know, what stands out to me is when they've read our mission statement on our website or they've, you know, had our stuff without, you know, uh, being at an interview, you know, they've yeah. come in and bought a product or they've interacted with our staff or which is all things that if you're applying with us, you have the freedom to do, yeah. you know, it's on our website, blogs are there, yeah. you know, all of the owners photos are there. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm always baffled. Like Diane and I and, and Kevin and Jenny even tend to like take a back seat when it comes to the interview stuff um, to try to give you some insight from an outside perspective. Um, and I'm always so surprised when someone comes in and I greet them and they don't know who I am, yeah. you know, when they come in for yeah. an interview. Um, Cause for me, I would do my homework, like we're saying, and, you know, study all those photos and know who you are and know, who I am and Diane and Kevin and Jenny and like if they see us they better shake our hand and like you know be happy about it and and that's obviously what you did and what um, our other uh, assistant manager and wholesale manager have done is you know when they were when y'all were in for that you did your homework and um, that is always surprising to me yeah and I think it just goes back to that yeah that attention to detail and that drive is not just another job interview and mm-hmm. a lot of people you can see from that first phone interview are they just coming here for a paycheck because mm-hmm. if they are then they're not going to mm-hmm. be a terrible employee yes mm-hmm. we all work for a paycheck mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be what drives us mm-hmm. each and every day and um yeah that goes into knowing about the company coming in like it's crazy to me that people apply they're from india and they've never been in the shop like why why do you want to work at a place you've never even mm-hmm. been in mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and yeah that always shocks me when they don't either don't know who you are don't know who we are like i mean again like we've said 
if you're smart and you're applying with us right now, you're already subscribed to this podcast. Um, and I'm giving you all the answers. Exactly. So. If anything, you have all the answers. Uh, go and, I mean, for other business owners, I would recommend that. If you have the flexibility of a partner owner or a co-owner, like let one owner be low key and the other one maybe do the interviews and then get the perspective from the from the other person um see how they interact with them when they don't think that they're the important person or it's not the one they're interviewing with or you know um because that's always surprising the attitude or you know maybe the negative attitude that they have when it's not the person they're interviewing with you know just a part-timer or just a barista or or what um always interesting um, so you shared a little bit about obviously the initial, um, you know, interactions, what does, you know, what type of stuff are you looking for in the, you know, final phases? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're between a couple people, yeah. uh, for one position, what are you looking at? Yeah, I think, um, I, I previously mentioned some of them just like that, that attention to detail, how they, how they carry themselves, especially that in person. Do they are they good conversationalist? Um, you can see if somebody is. You can kind of see through if even if they're putting on their best interviewer. Mm-hmm. You can see how yeah how they treat the staff when they walk in. Um, do they think they're bigger than they actually <laughs> are? Um, do they have an attitude? And um, yeah, I mean the the in person interview. I don't throw any tough questions. Mm-hmm. I just see if they expand on things, how they deal with different situations. So even like knowing all these answers, I could tell you all the interview questions, but it's how how you answer those, um, both in tone, mm-hmm. both in length, um, and things like that. And you can just see if somebody has driver passion for coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, it has to also be more than coffee. It has to be mm-hmm. people. Um, somebody can love coffee and hate people. And mm-hmm. that, that can come through really easily, <laughs> or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once again, it's like that sweet spot. But mainly through just, yeah, how they carry themselves, um, you can easily see. So it's a lot of nonverbal stuff that you pick up, and sometimes you just have a gut instinct mm-hmm. of, like, okay, that person's not going to mesh well with our current mm-hmm. staff, maybe, or um, they're maybe in it for the wrong reasons, um, things like that. So, um, and just, like, yeah, throwing different questions, not even about coffee, see mm-hmm. how they handle those. Mm-hmm. And are they well-versed in, like, yeah, conversation? Yeah, I mean, because for us, you know, a barista, 60, 70% of their job is customers not making coffee, you know, and um, someone wants to do coffee forever, you know, they got to understand that customer side, you know, and I almost think you look at that even more than, uh, you know, than making stuff, you know, because we can teach them how to do that as long as they're semi-competent and enjoy coffee you know we can teach anybody how to make stuff but yeah and as long as they also like if you have somebody that cares about people and coffee they're going to do a good job Mm -hmm. like they're not as long as they care to improve on their coffee skills Mm -hmm. and not settle um you know because it is you're presenting a part of yourself when Mm -hmm. you deliver a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. whether it's a latte or a pour you want to 
care about that mm-hmm. to give the best product. So it, it kind of all gets wrapped into one. If you care about customer service a lot, you're going to care about mm-hmm. coffee because mm-hmm. that's just part of it. Yeah, you're going to care about what you're serving to that customer because you care about that customer mm-hmm. and serving them the right way. Um, yeah, and I think just you know that working hard aspect is sometimes hard to find. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. hard to find people that like are willing to have a positive attitude even when they're like taking the garbage out. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many times I, you know, do that with a smile, you know, as well as like, I'm fairly in tune. And so is Diane with you. Like as far as sharing when other staff maybe isn't, doesn't have an awesome attitude. It's like those things continue to just stack up. And when they maybe ask for a promotion, you're like, uh, no. Yeah, it's like maybe you, I mean, but you weren't psyched to like yeah. clean the equipment. You yeah. know, how can we, you know, reward you with X? You and know? even, I know a barista for most is, I don't want to say glamorous job, but it is a cool job to mm-hmm. have. I mean, definitely you won't look at coffee shops and be like, oh, that's lame. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a cool thing to have, but I think a lot of people, that's like the, the sexy thing to do is to mm-hmm. make the latte. But, mm-hmm. That's like 20% of the job. Yeah, yeah. Like the other part is like on register and cleaning is yeah. huge and you just need that. Yeah, the, the drink is probably maybe why you're there, but um, the drink and the people, but there are the behind the scenes stuff that need to happen to make, mm-hmm. you know, a good drink and a good atmosphere for the people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's so much else in between the lines that um, has to be consistent mm-hmm. across the board. Um, so you talk obviously about like getting them here and, you know, you've sort of have the people that, or have the person maybe that you're ready to fill that position. Um, what do you do as far as getting them like meshed with the Mm -hmm. team or like, it's always, obviously we've been really, really lucky, um, to have some of our original staffers still, um, which is unheard of in the part-time slash coffee space to hold on to someone, you know, to have a couple staffers, you know, celebrate a one-year anniversary at a spot that, you know, is part-time. Um, what do you do to sort of bring them in the fold? Um, maybe touch on like the staff meetings and how those look and you know, why you do them the way you do or. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, first just going back to everything we're talking about, the type of people that, get through the door are people people they're nice they they generally want to like make people feel loved mm-hmm. and i think that that's just the culture and um it's a culture we look for when we're hiring but um when they do get hired on um it's cool to see everybody just accept them open arms no mm-hmm. matter where they are in their coffee knowledge or if where they worked but um yeah the staff meetings happen pretty much every month it's like a family dinner. It's really cool. We get we get dinner. We sit around a table. Um, the first, like, 15 minutes to half an hour just joking. And it's really cool because during the course of the week, you don't really work with everybody always. Mm-hmm. So to have everybody in the same room, it's super special. And um, like I said, everybody's really accepting. And um, within that staff meeting, yes, we talk about stuff. Sometimes the staff meeting is just on cleaning the machines and the, the shop. But I always try to include... Um, giving that that time before we start to talk, to socialize, and also at the end we do something fun. Mm-hmm. Whether in October we 
pour latte art into pumpkins, mm-hmm. um, or we did a game, or we did a gingerbread house contest in December. Um, just something. It doesn't have to be coffee related, but something that it builds um, relationships mm-hmm. between them. And um, yeah, it's it's a really cool atmosphere, and I'm super thankful that you know we the owners care enough to give those resources because mm-hmm. um, the staff they get paid to be there. They mm-hmm. don't you know. So we do make those mandatory. They do have to show up, but. It shows them that, hey, we care about you. We want you guys to get to know each other. We, you know, we want to have this. We want to be a family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when somebody gets hired on, a lot of times I'm like, welcome to our new. It's like I see our family member because mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, families have some difficulties. Uh-huh. But for the most part, their, you know, families get over it. And yeah. they, they have those hard conversations and they want um the people to be there. So yeah. that's why like when somebody does leave, it is hard because it's like losing, losing a family member. Uh-huh. Um, and but, what I think what's really, you know, and I say this to all other, you know, people that are owning a business, if you have the opportunity to hand off, you know, store management to someone, I highly recommend it because they'll take it to a much higher level than, you know, we could have thought um, because, and that's, that's a huge part as to why, you know, we have some original staff members is the work that Jim has done to cultivate those relationships and deal with the crappy stuff. And like, um, like he said, you know, just because you're a family doesn't mean like everything's perfect all the time. Um, but I think you do a great job of having those conversations when they're necessary, knowing that like work is work and, um, you know, there are times when you've got to come down with a difficult conversation, but that doesn't mean that you don't love them or care for them. They just sucked it up in that avenue, you know, and you've got to let them know and have them improve, you know. Um, and uh, I think that's even why, you know, at least since you've taken over in the summer, why even we've seen uh, some people that have moved on, uh, to other gigs or things like that, you know, even if it was, you know, not a great fit or something there, there's still not hard feelings there. Um, there's still like, we still care about them and we want them to do super well. Um, even if they weren't, even if, you know, they, they knew that they weren't a great fit or something. Um, they're still insanely a welcome part of the family, which is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from an owner's perspective, um, you know, as much as we love, and I know you really enjoy staff meetings because everybody gets to get together, all of that, you got to have the perspective that, like, part-time person isn't going to be insanely psyched about a mandatory, you know, work meeting when they are looking to hang out with friends or something. And so that, for us, is why, you know, we want to value them by paying for their time and um paying for them being there and um like you said it shows that we we treat it like work you know if it was just i mean we've done it before work cookouts and whatnot and those are totally optional obviously we hate when not everybody's there but you know we get that um but yeah i mean you do a great job of that you know when it's time for them to work we got to pay them to do it and you know there's an expectation then of them, you know, working hard and learning a lot and, you know, 
uh, having fun, like one of our, our values, but, um, also working really hard and, um, doing that all at the same time. Um, so yeah, and I, and I do think it's semi unique where, you know, given the example of like the Christmas party where we had two brand new staffers at that party and it felt like they were there for months, which is really cool. Um, and I mean, I've been in part-time jobs before and I would have never gone to a staff (laughs) meeting, a Christmas party, you know, my first, you know, some of them without even working a shift yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was really cool to feel like they were all a part of it. Um, so, um, yeah. So talking about that a little bit, just about, you know, boosting morale, um, I know it's important for you just listening to them. Um, you've made it a priority to, um, just listen or give, I guess, an open door, but really do it. Yeah. And I think Um, it's more, I know in the, my past and, you know, I think a lot of what I do as a manager is because I've had really like not that great of managers in the past. mm -hmm. Um, and I think you always learn more of, from like a bad situation than like, oh, he's an awesome manager, but I don't know why. <laughs> um, but I think it's, yeah, seeking out for the first couple of months, I didn't do this is something I had to like really be intentional about. But if it's slow on you know, the bar and you're just with one other person, be like, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Like, what what don't you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with? What what do you feel comfortable with? What, what do you like? What don't you mm-hmm. like? And we even do reviews a couple years or a couple years, a couple mm-hmm. times a year. Mm-hmm. And we do it 45 days after they start. And I think for a coffee shop, that's really unique and neat. <laughs> Cause a lot of times it's like, all right, here's how you make our drinks. We'll see, uh, maybe when I come in, you know, but it's, I think it's important for managers, not just to put their head down and focus on themselves. But, um, I think a manager can make or break an employee's day or life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's many times I went home at night in my past job steaming, just like, oh my gosh, I just wish I was listened to. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's an open door policy, but who's gonna, for the most part, get up the guts to go in and talk about like, maybe it's a minor issue, but if you let that build, that issue's already too far, too far gone. Um, so yeah, being intentional, having those review sessions where it's an open, mm-hmm. you know, I don't just ask, or I don't just tell them about maybe some goals I have yeah. for them, but I yeah. always end, what can I do better as uh-huh. your manager? And that question scares me, I'll be honest, but at the same time, it's so needed because if I knew I was doing something wrong, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to it's hard to know what you're doing wrong sometimes because mm-hmm. you don't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, like Alec said, having that interaction and actually caring, not just you know hearing, hearing them, but yeah. listening yeah. is different than being... Sometimes I can't do anything about it, but I'll be like, hey, sorry, like right now that's not mm-hmm. not possible, but I hear you uh-huh. and um, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and I think too, you know, we've, we've tried really hard at this, but giving you an, an open door opportunity to advocate for your team as well. Like, you know, we're not absent owners that, you know, are like, well, tough luck. You know, obviously, sometimes we have to pull in uh, the perspective of all areas of the company and make decisions um, that may not be the exact thing that you were hoping for. Um, But, you know, we give you that open door opportunity to advocate for everybody that's on your team. And and at least you know that, 
on a regular basis you're going to be listened to and given obviously the opportunity to do that the other way um, because we look at that too like we we hold you accountable for the performance of everybody underneath you and you know one of the biggest pet peeves of mine and is when people blame shift you know uh, if they're in charge of someone else or whatever um you know they shift blame to that individual to essentially self-preserve um and i've said it before but I don't really care if one of, you know, Diane says the same thing, but like, I don't really care if one of your employees screwed up. Like I look at you, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not managing those people, you know, yeah. and Diane looks at you. Um, and that's, you know, the perspective we have is like, uh, and then let us know what we can do better to help you not have to have that situation happen again. Um, cause it's not, you know, the, job generally or the company most of the time it's the leader that yeah that people leave yeah like you said, um, people don't quit jobs they quit managers yeah yeah so um obviously that's what really takes a humble manager and a humble employee is one that can look at themselves and say like what did i do yeah. to make that situation happen which can be tough i know because it's managing people that you don't really have control over their actions yeah. or uh, but yet you're being held accountable for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you, you gave that perspective of an open door. So many managers throw that word around or maybe owners do, but um, they sit in their chair and, you know, say, well, the door is open, but it's really difficult for, you know, it's difficult for you to come with a big problem to all four owners. Yeah. You know, that's not, but if, if your uh, superior comes to you and says, how can I help you? That's a lot easier of a situation yeah. than the other way around. Yeah, because you're giving that person a chance to, to talk. Yeah, yeah. And I think pulling that extra hand is is really helpful because, yeah, it's hard, especially for the people that you're working with. Some of these people, maybe it's their first legitimate job or more serious job. So um, they don't know how to navigate you know, some of these things. Um, so it's your job to help them with that. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that whole blame shift stuff is always, you know, obviously when you're not managing a person, sometimes you blame the customer or, Mm -hmm. you know, but so many times I'm like, I don't really care, you know, what that looks like. It's like, if, if someone can come to me and tell me that they messed up and it won't happen again and this is how they're going to fix it, yeah. you know, that's much better for me to hear than like, well, they, you know, yeah. it's because they didn't, you know. Yeah. But, the <laughs> moment you blame shift, you realize that person's the one to blame. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. That's why, yeah, I was talking i forget to who but it's like if you maybe call somebody out and then they just like don't take ownership then you're like yeah that's the person Mm -hmm. well and so many times for me just from a even in previous jobs and that i won't elevate them into leadership because they can't you know a good leader goes down with the with the ship you know they don't they don't say you know it's because they didn't do x it's like doesn't really matter the thing's still going down and you're the one in charge you know so many leaders want you know they want the praise when things go really good but they don't want the crappy stuff when things go bad they want to shift that to somebody else but if you want the praise then you got to take the tough stuff too um and 
you know, that shows a lot of maturity, I know, when you can take ownership for, you know, what happens um, and then just say, you know, this is how we will navigate it next time and it won't happen again. If it does, then hold me accountable for it. Um, because then, yeah, you just sort of live up to it and, and move on. I much would be much happier with that individual than upset if they, you know, fell short. Yeah. And but. same thing goes for even the staff. I always tell them once they start, I'm like, I don't care if you mess up. There's mm-hmm. going to be Christ there. Mm-hmm. But if you don't tell me you mess up mm-hmm. and I found out, that's mm-hmm. when I don't like it. Because, mm-hmm. like, we're all going to have bad days. We're mm-hmm. all going to make mistakes. We're, mm-hmm. we're human. If you take the human element out of people, then, you know, you just get robots. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think that's an important thing for, for everybody. Myself, I... If I messed up, like, you know, I'm going to talk to Diane and be like, hey, mm-hmm. I made this mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, let's here here's a solution to mm-hmm. it um, that we can try to fix. But I think that's a, important, too, to even tell your staff, you know, so they, they're not afraid of you. The last thing you want to do is you can be respected, mm-hmm. but like, but not, a, you know, fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want people to take your word seriously when you do have something to say, but you never want your staff to be afraid of you or intimidated mm-hmm. to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because great leaders can love their people at a high, high level, but still command respect, yeah. you know, or, or go to bat for them. You know, I think it's the misconception that you've got to be hardcore and, you know, not show compassion or love or grace for the people underneath you in order to puff up this, yeah. like, tough guy mentality or something where, you know, you're a lot more respected if someone goes to bat for you, you know, in a tougher situation than if they're Mr. Tough Guy or, you know. Yeah. Or uh, just like barking, barking orders. Like if I, a lot of times if there's dishes or something, if I have time, I'll just start doing them. And mm -hmm. a lot of the staff will be like, oh, let me get that. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you never want to be the manager to just like, hey, go do that. Go do that. You know, you want to be like, hey, we're, we're a team. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are some times when I can't spend my time doing dishes mm-hmm. if there's other stuff that needs to be done. But a lot of times it's that, yeah, that servant, servant attitude mm-hmm. to your staff. Like, um, I think that shows that, yeah, my title may be above yours, but like we're still just all people and mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. And um, But there are times that if I see you to do something, you got to go mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's the cool perspective with Diane as well, mm-hmm. and really with all four of us, but Diane more than anybody, um, is that she's obviously around the, that retail space more, being the director of it, but, um, you know, she's more than willing to jump into any spot, and, you know, I know that that helps you to feel like you can jump into yeah. any spot and then that helps you know yeah she's where I to really do that. she's the perfect example of that mm-hmm. and that's i think when i started back last january i saw that and i'm like oh yeah this is the culture here you know nobody's too good to do dishes like i know alec jumps in to do dishes um diane does because they're the most from the shop mm-hmm. um i know kevin and jenny will help clear tables and mm-hmm. those are the least like cool things to do mm-hmm. at the shop, but you can just tell like those are the people that want the shop to do mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see to see them do that, it really sets the tone of like the other leaders or the owners, but they're getting dirty when needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that people obviously you know have the misconception that like you know my job 
when I'm helping fill in or any of the owner's job is to serve the people on the main stage, as we sort of say. Like, if the baristas are the ones on the main stage, then, like, we're barbacking. You know, we're cleaning stuff up. Like, that's, you know, we're in a servant role at that point. Obviously, there's other times, you know, during our work week or whatever where we take more of a leadership spot. But, you know, there's those times where, you know, it's busy. I'm not just going to say, hey, let me jump on and make a bunch of lattes. Like, that may not be what they need, yeah. you know? that that That's the fun thing to do. That's, like, the cool thing to do. But, you know, um, that may not be what is necessary, you know, um, to get the goal accomplished. And I think that a good leader like you and, and the rest of the team will do what it takes to move the ball forward. And that may mean taking the garbage out or, you know, shoveling when it's super cold or, you know, um, having a tough conversation with a customer who's not happy or, you know, um, but yeah, I think that that's all super important. Um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about staff culture, um, and hiring and all of that. Um, I think that the big part to take away from what you've shared is just being intentional, um, as well as trusting, your intuition a little bit, uh, trusting some of your experience and knowing that, you know, you've made some mistakes when it comes to hiring process, but we don't look at those as necessarily mistakes, but more just learning opportunities. Um, and for any other owners or or people who are delegating some of this stuff out, you know, you've got to let go of the reins in this stuff. Like if you want your manager to really own the staff, then give them the opportunity to hire and fire people Um, because in a in a management role really they'll look to their leader as the one that can hire them or fire them Um, if if you have a manager with the title and they can't hire you or or fire then they won't really respect that position or you know and that was the um, I will say to that when I became manager a lot of them were just you know my peers but it is it's easier now, but at first, like those were the hardest people to manage because mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't hire you, I don't mm-hmm. know what you were told or mm-hmm. the expectations set. Um, but when you're able to hire somebody, it's much easier to fire them or have that tough conversation. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, this is, I know everything you went through, mm-hmm. I know the interview process, mm-hmm. I know the training, um, and they just the employee views you mm-hmm. differently too. Um, that you're like you know, kind of like I brought you into this world, I could take you out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have that perspective. And I think it's so important, man, to like avoid toxic stuff. Like, I mean, we've said it before, anybody that bad mouths, you know, the company or their leaders or anybody else, it's like, we just don't really care about that. You know, we're, we're, we have a very short tolerance for that. And, and for us, it's like, you know, you may not agree with, your uh, boss or whatever, but your job isn't always to have the same opinion as them. Your job is to come underneath them as a, as a follower and them, they're your leader. Um, so you're always, they're probably going to have a, you know, differing of an opinion, but it's not your job to make that decision. You know, for you, you've, worked really hard and been very intentional about the decisions that you've made. And they're not just about one necessarily individual, but take everything into account. Um, and it's the people underneath whose job to come underneath that, not, 
you know, necessarily make that call themselves unless it's their job at that point and, Mm -hmm. you know, they can make that decision. But, um, yeah, having the enough humble attitude to come underneath that leader is is a vital part of, I think, building that culture like you're talking about. For sure. Um, Cool. Uh, Well, anything else you want to share before we sign off? Yeah, I think um, just to that, um, I just heard something Mm -hmm. the other day about, you know, a lot of times it's easy to get frustrated if you would want to do things different on all parts of it, either Mm -hmm. the the lowest staff, Mm -hmm. management, or... Um, I guess that's kind of because the owners mm-hmm. can do whatever mm-hmm. they want. <laughs> but um, I think it's such a good lesson and it's a one that I, you know, throughout my life just constantly have is to, to humbly serve. Um, mm-hmm. You can give your input. And like I told Diane, I was like, if I give you a suggestion, you don't have to give me an mm-hmm. explanation. Like a lot mm-hmm. of times you just say yes or no because mm-hmm. you're the owner. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I work for you and I think that has helped me mm-hmm. lead better mm-hmm. as well because it kind of passes down if somebody... Um, has an idea to be like, hey, I heard it, I'll, I'll pass it up. But like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's not my company. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to work my butt off to mm-hmm. make it the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just encouraging staff on that too. I know I've had a lot of conversations of like, I know you would do this differently, but like, we just have to humbly serve because mm-hmm. you know, not not in a bad way that it's not your coffee shop, but like we have to respect the people whose shop it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually by that little conversation, they're like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. So Well, and the only way I think that comes all the way full circle, mm-hmm. like the only way that you have that attitude toward us is if we humble ourselves to serve yeah. you by doing the grunt work or ask what exactly. you need help with or shovel the driveway or, you know, yeah. um, if we weren't doing that and, you know, um, it'd be a lot more difficult for you to yeah. be willing to humble yourself in those tougher decisions. Um, and what I always say is like, you know, that's not my call or that's above even sometimes I say like that's above your pay grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just that that's just what it is you know i share that with you know part-timers or or whatever is like you don't get paid to do that job if you get paid to do that job then more than enough voice your opinion and we'll take it into consideration and whatever but we're paying you to do this not you know it's above your pay grade and sorry that that's the case but just how it is you know and just do the job you have yeah you know really well like excel in that and then mm-hmm. yeah, you can offer opinions but don't get butt hurt if it's outside of what mm-hmm. your yeah what your job is yeah yeah because it's, it's just not your job to make that call just like it's not my job to make certain calls um you know it just is what it is but yeah the more humble i think that's the overarching thing is that humble attitude that you can have as an employee and as a manager will only help you in the long run so cool for being here and uh appreciate all the uh support if you have any questions like we said before um please uh, email us at hello at indiecoffeeroasters.com we would love to hear from you uh follow us on instagram facebook um and uh we would love to uh to see you if you are around the indianapolis area make sure and check out our karma location Uh, we have a lot of cool things coming up and uh, you would have the shot to uh, chat with Jim and the rest of the team. Again, thanks so much for being here, guys. And uh, thanks, Jim, for being a part of it. Um, we love having you. Um, 
Yeah. So thanks again for being here. If you have, uh, if you want to subscribe, uh, do that uh, on your favorite podcast platform and we will hear from you soon. Uh, and always remember to enjoy your coffee unleashed.